available. Brothers and sisters in the Dhamma, today the topic is the true Dhamma. Um, why I chose this topic uh, is because it is very important uh, if you want to practice the Dhamma, that you investigate properly uh, and practice the real stuff. Uh, because as you know, uh, uh, recently all this publicity about that film, Da, da Vinci Code, uh, uh, it has uh, not only this book, Da Vinci Code, there are other books also written recently uh, by scholars. Uh, it has overturned a lot of uh, beliefs uh, that they had about Christianity, uh, that uh, Holy Mary was a virgin, that uh, Jesus Christ helped this prostitute called Mary Magdalene, when in fact, actually, now they say that it is his wife. So how is it for 2,000 years, they did not realize this, because they did not take the trouble to investigate. So people believe blindly for 2,000 years, and then suddenly now, uh, people are saying different things. Uh, so it has come as a shock uh, to many people, uh, especially Christians. Uh, uh, those beliefs that they had uh, suddenly overturned. So it is the same with Buddhism. If we practice the Dhamma without investigating properly, uh, then uh, after many years uh, you may find uh, that what you were believe, what you believed in uh, actually was groundless, was not true. So nowadays, it is a long time since the Buddha was here, 2,500 over years. So there's a lot of uh, wrong teachings found in the Dhamma. And so we, to investigate what is the real Buddha's teachings, we should go back to the source, to the earliest discourses of the Buddha. In the suttas, uh, the discourses of the Buddha, one of the sayings of the Buddha is, uh, Be a lamb unto yourselves. Be a refuge unto yourselves with no other refuge. Take the Dhamma as your lamb. Take the Dhamma as your refuge with no other refuge. So, you should rely on yourself and rely on the Buddha's Dhamma the true Dhamma of the Buddha. Nowadays, a lot of people don't understand. They go around looking for a good teacher. So, sometimes, after following that Holy Aweshuhu for many years, you get disappointed. Like myself, I followed a Holy Aweshuhu for nine years. And after nine years, I was totally disappointed. So, uh, that's why the Buddha said, uh, depend on yourself and depend on the Dhamma. Now, what is the Dhamma? In another sutta, the Buddha said, uh, if such a certain monk uh, says that such and such is the Buddha's teaching, uh, in other words, uh, his interpretation of the Buddha's teaching uh, is such and such, uh, then the Buddha said, don't accept it, 
and don't scorn it also la. don't reject it also la. the Buddha said na, compare what he teaches uh, with the suttas and for the monks uh, also with the vinaya la. and the Buddha said if it agrees with the suttas uh, then you can accept it uh, as the Buddha's teachings uh. if it does not agree with the suttas then the Buddha said reject it la. it is not the Buddha's teachings la. Uh-huh. so I give you some examples uh. we know that there is this uh, story uh, about the Buddha that uh, he cultivated the paramis for many many lifetimes la. it is said uh, to be four asankhya kapas and one hundred maha kapas. One kappa is a world cycle, which is supposed to be extremely long. So long, the Buddha said, that it is very hard to imagine how long it is. So, asankhya kapas means uncountable world cycles. And, they say for four uncountable world cycles and one hundred great world cycles, uh, the Buddha cultivated the paramis until he perfected the paramis. Then only he could become a Buddha. And then they base this uh, on the Jataka stories. The stories about the Buddha in his past life being born as a deer or as a rabbit or as Sankanchil, uh, etc., uh, and if we examine these Jataka tales, uh, we find uh, that in these tales it is said that when the Bodhisattva was a deer or a rabbit, etc., he could speak, speak like a human being and act like a human being. Uh, have you ever heard an animal speak? I have never heard an animal speak. <laughs> So can you believe uh, that an animal can speak? And then some of these stories are so ridiculous. Uh, for example, he said, when our Bodhisattva was born as a rabbit, uh, he wanted to perfect his parami of giving uh, generosity. La. So there was a hunter who came into the forest to hunt. And he hunted the whole day and he couldn't hunt any animal didn't shoot any animal. So in the evening when he was preparing his dinner, his pot was boiling water, but there's no meat to cook. So he was very hungry. So it is said in the Jataka story that the Bodhisattva, as that rabbit, he jumped into the boiling water in the pot and sacrificed his life for the hunter to eat. Can you believe a uh, uh, rabbit uh, so smart, uh, so good-hearted? Uh, if he was so smart and good-hearted, uh, he would not be born as a rabbit, isn't it? <laughs> and then also like uh, the story about the Bodhisattva in the past life where he saw the tiger so hungry uh, that it had no milk to give the cups uh, so the Bodhisattva, he, from the top of the hill, he jumped down, uh, committed suicide uh, so that he could feed the tiger. 
Uh, this type of story sounds very nice, but it goes against logic. How can somebody uh, commit suicide uh, to feed a tiger? Firstly, if you feed the tiger, the tiger is used to eating human meat. Uh. Tomorrow, he'll look for another human to eat. Yeah. Uh, but the main point is uh, it goes against the Buddha's teaching. Why? In the Buddha's discourses, the Buddha said, uh, a wise person's offering uh, or charity uh, must not harm other living beings and must not harm yourself. So, for example, if you want to offer, uh, uh, you want to cook some uh, chicken for a monk, you cannot go to the market uh, and order a live chicken uh, to be slaughtered uh, to feed the monk. Now, if the monk knows uh, that you ordered a live chicken, uh, then he would not eat the meat. Uh. It's not allowed. Uh. So, in the same way, for this, uh, in this story, uh, where the Bodhisattva committed suicide to feed the tiger, uh, it also goes against the Buddha's teachings. Uh. If he actually did that, uh, then he will make either his uh, wife uh, uh, suffer a uh, lot, uh, or his parents uh, suffer uh, to know that uh, he committed suicide to feed the tiger. Uh. Also, the Vesantara Jataka, where it is said uh, that our Bodhisattva in his past life, uh, he gave away his wife and his two children uh, to a merciless beggar who beat them. Uh, so he did this uh, just to perfect his parami of giving. Don't you think that's very selfish? Uh, just because he wants to perfect his parami, he must make his wife suffer, must make his children suffer. Uh, goes against logic. Uh, if you tell this to a Christian, he'll laugh at you. <laughs> what a silly Buddhism you are teaching. So we have to be very careful. Uh, now is the age of the information explosion. And... Now we know a lot of things, uh, more than our grandparents used to know. And nowadays uh, we question a lot of things. Uh. Formerly our grandparents dare not question. Uh. Formerly uh, in the old olden days, uh, in the religious teachings, uh, you are asked to believe this, believe that, and don't ask questions. <laughs> nowadays people are different. Uh. People uh, learn to ask questions, ask everything. And the Buddha also encouraged you to ask. Don't simply believe blindly. Huh? So this story about the Buddha cultivating paramis huh, is something that was created much later. If we look at the early discourses of the Buddha, found in the Sutta Pitaka, which consists of about 5,000 discourses of the Buddha, you find huh, this word parami was never uttered by the Buddha. The Buddha didn't know this word parami also. We are smarter than the Buddha. We know the word parami. <laughs> so, that is one thing. Another thing is the story about our Buddha, where after he, his wife gave birth to a son, then he decided to renounce. Huh? Then in the middle of the night, it is stated, huh? He took a last look at his son and at his wife, and he went away to renounce and become an ascetic. But in the Majima Nikaya, 
it is stated uh, that the Buddha, in front of his parents who were crying, uh, and his parents pleaded with him uh, not to renounce their home life and become an ascetic, uh, in spite of his parents crying and pleading with him, uh, in front of them, uh, he cut off his hair and put on the yellow robe and he went forth. Uh, so he was not a coward, uh, hiding uh, in the middle of the night and went away uh, in front of his parents. He told his parents that he is renouncing. Uh, he cannot live at home. Uh, if you study the suttas uh, clearly, uh, uh, more detail, uh, you will find uh, in the early discourses of the Buddha, this word bodhisattva, the Buddha used uh, only to refer to himself uh, in the last three lifetimes. When he was uh, a disciple of the last Buddha, Kasapa, the previous Buddha, Kasapa, he renounced and became a disciple of the Buddha, Kasapa. At that time, he had entered the stream because he listened to the Buddha's teachings uh, and he was he understood the Four Noble Truths, so he renounced the home life and became a monk under the Buddha Kasapa. At that time onwards, uh, he was a Bodhisattva. The, sut- the suttas referred to himself as a Bodhisattva in that lifetime. And in the next lifetime, when he was reborn in the Tusita heaven, and in the last lifetime when he came down as Siddhartha Gautama, these three lifetimes only, uh, the Buddha referred to himself as a Bodhisattva. So actually a Bodhisattva is a being uh, who is already an Arya and is destined for enlightenment. So from the suttas we find uh, when the Buddha uh, in his previous lifetime practiced under the Buddha Kasapa, he must have attained the first jhana because when he came back as Siddhartha Gautama, as a young man, he sat under the jambu tree uh, and attained the first jhana. Uh, so if a person can attain the first jhana and practice and, and, and listen to the suttas, uh, he would become a Sakadagamin, a second fruit attainer. Uh, Sakadagamin is called a once returner. That means he goes to heaven and he comes back uh, to the human uh, existence uh, only one more time uh, and he will he must enter Nibbana. It's like a ripe fruit. Uh, it must fall. Whether there's wind or there's no wind, uh, it's overripe, it will fall. So the same with the Sakadagamin. It is time for him to enter Nibbana. So when Sakadagamins come back uh, in, uh, in the human birth, uh, they will naturally uh, renounce uh, and go forth and practice uh, ascetic practices uh, until they become enlightened. Uh, So it is not true uh, that to become a Buddha, uh, you make a vow and then you practice the paramis and eventually you perfect your paramis and you become enlightened. On the other hand, uh, what is found in the suttas is that you listen to the discourses of the Buddha and you enter the stream. After you enter the stream, then if you meditate and attain the jhanas, uh, then you are bound for enlightenment. Uh, in the legends, uh, the stories concerning our Buddha, we find that uh, it is stated that the Buddha met 24 Buddhas 
predicted that he will one day become the Buddha Sakyamuni. But actually, in the actual discourses of the Buddha, we find that the Buddha mentioned that when he looked back into the past, he only saw six Buddhas. And these six Buddhas were seen by him over the last, I think, 91 world cycles. 91 world cycles is an extremely long time. So for the Buddha to look back into 91 world cycles, uh, he must have spent the whole night from 6 o'clock in the evening until 6 o'clock the next morning uh, looking at the past, looking, 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 looking. And he saw during that time uh, only six Samasambuddhas. Pachika Buddhas, there are a lot. In fact, uh, of all the Buddhas, uh, we find uh, 99.9% of Buddhas uh, are Pachika Buddhas. They refuse to teach. Uh, very few Buddhas uh, actually want to become a Samasambuddha. So it was the same with our Sakyamuni Buddha. When he was enlightened, uh, he, he contemplated the minds of human beings uh, and he found that it was very difficult uh, to convince people to practice the Dhamma. So he decided he was not going to teach the Dhamma, he's going to become a Pacheka Buddha. But then this uh, Brahma, Brahma, I think Sahampati, came and pleaded with the Buddha, said, although it is true that most beings will not want to practice the Dhamma, yet uh, there is a small percentage of beings uh, who are willing to practice the Dhamma. And if you don't teach them the Dhamma, they will not progress. Uh, uh, so because of the few, uh, the Buddha came to teach the Dhamma. So we are uh, heirs of the Dhamma. We inherit uh, the teachings of the Buddha uh, through the Arahants. Uh, so it is also for people like us uh, that the Buddha taught the Dhamma. Uh, so don't think uh, that you don't have these uh, paramis, if you want to call it, uh, uh, we have a lot of parami, we have a lot of good merit uh, to be able to listen to the true teachings of the Buddha. Mm. Only thing is we have to investigate more. Because the Buddha said, uh, to become an Arya, you must get right view. And to attain right view, you have two conditions only. One is to listen to the Dhamma, that means the earliest teachings of the Buddha. And secondly, if you have Yoniso Manasikara, a clear mind, which is achieved through, uh, when you listen to the Dhamma, you must pay thorough attention. If you pay thorough attention when you are listening to the Dhamma, then you can understand. And then if you understand the Four Noble Truths, uh, then you have entered the stream. And once you have entered the stream, uh, you are actually a Bodhisattva. And at the most, uh, you have seven more lifetimes. Uh, seven more existences, and you will never fall into the woeful plains. You will never become a ghost or an animal or go to hell to suffer. Uh. So it is very well worth our time uh, to spend more time to listen to the Buddha's Dhamma and try to understand. I believe... Uh, this Buddhist society uh, has some of my talks, uh, MP3 talks, uh, uh, four of them in English and four of them in Hokkien. 
and these uh, comprise almost all of the talks I've given uh, since 1988. Uh, so I hope you have the interest uh, to try to get a copy of these uh, CDs and listen. Now, what other wrong views are found in Buddhism? Uh, another one is about meditation. Nowadays, uh, uh, people, many people are interested in vipassana meditation, but uh, they go straight in uh, without investigating properly. Because if you investigate properly, you find that vipassana meditation was created about 30 years ago by Mahasi Saido. Before that, if you look back 50 years ago, nobody heard of Vipassana meditation. Just like now you have Ikwan Tao, which claims to be Buddhism. But 50 years ago, nobody heard of Ikwan Tao. So, in the Buddha's discourses, Venerable Ananda was asked, what type of meditation is praised by the Buddha? And Venerable Ananda said, the type of meditation praised by the Buddha is the first jhana, the second jhana, the third jhana, the fourth jhana. In other words, whatever type of meditation you practice, as long as if the goal is to attain the jhanas, then you are practicing Buddhist meditation. If you are practicing a type of meditation which does not bring you to attain the jhanas, then that is not Buddhist meditation. Uh, It is very clear from the suttas. Now, a lot of people don't understand why jhanas are so important. To understand why jhanas are important, uh, we must understand the state of Nibbāna, which is the goal of the holy life, the goal of the spiritual path. Why do we practice? Why do we study the suttas and practice meditation so hard? Because we want to become liberated. We want to become an Arahan. What is the name for liberation? It is not attaining wisdom. A lot of people think uh, we practice meditation to attain wisdom. No. The aim of practicing meditation, uh, firstly to attain jhanas, and ultimately... uh, to attain liberation. And what is this state of liberation? How do you become liberated? Can anybody tell me? There is another name for an Arahan, a liberated person. Another name for an Arahan is a Kina Sava. Kina Sava means uh, one who has destroyed the Asavas. If you destroy the Asavas, uh, you become enlightened. So becoming enlightened uh, is not getting a lot of wisdom. Becoming enlightened uh, is actually a physical happening uh, when you destroy the asavas. And what are asavas? Asavas are uncontrolled mental outflows. Basically, uh, the flow of consciousness. As long as consciousness flows, uh, this world exists. Why? Because this world is made up of consciousness. This world is only found in the six sense doors. Uh, Because you see, because you hear, because you smell, taste, touch and think, 
and the world comes into existence. Suppose you had no consciousness, is there a world? There is no world. The world is made up of consciousness and the objects of consciousness. When you have consciousness and you have an object, then you are conscious of something. And that something you are conscious of is Nama Rupa, mentality and materiality. So you must understand that the world arises because of consciousness. So what is Nibbana? Nibbana is the state where consciousness ceases. This is given in the Kevada Sutta, in the Diga Nikaya. The Buddha said the state of Nibbana is when the six consciousness stops. So when the six consciousness stops, this state, when an Arahan passes away, his six consciousness stops. So he does not take rebirth. That's why in the suttas we find that there were times when the Arahan passed away and the Buddha came to see. And then sometimes the Buddha will tell his disciples, he said, you look at the distance, there's a black cloud flying here, flying there. And then they look and they saw. And the Buddha said, that is Mara. Mara is trying to find the consciousness of this Arahan, where this Arahan has taken rebirth. But the Buddha said, he cannot find the Arahan of the conscious, the consciousness of the Arahan because the Arahan's consciousness has ceased. That's why there is no more rebirth. So this state of Nibbana, where the consciousness ceases, it can also be experienced in this lifetime. And this experience of Nibbana in this lifetime is called Niroda Samapati, cessation, actually cessation of perception and feeling. When perception and feeling ceases, consciousness also ceases. So this state, cessation of perception and feeling, can be attained by some arahans with very strong samadhi. And when they enter this state called Niroda Samapati, cessation, they can remain in this state for a maximum of seven days. And it is stated in the suttas that one of the disciples of a previous Buddha, he was in the forest and he entered this state of Niroda Samapati. And then the villagers went into the forest either to look for food or to look for dry wood. And they saw this Arahan in this state of uh, Niroda Samapati, cessation of perception and feeling. So when they came up to him, they found that his breathing had stopped and his heart also had stopped beating. So they thought he must be dead. So they piled a lot of wood on top of him, and set the wood on fire. And then the next day, they were surprised uh, to see this monk uh, come to the village uh, begging for food. Uh, So at first, they thought it was his ghost, uh, and then they realized uh, that he was alive. uh. So you see, this state of Niroda Samapati is such a special state, uh, that when a person enters this state, uh, nothing can destroy him. 
So this state is a very high state of uh, concentration uh, where very few people can attain. If you are not an arahan and you attain this state, uh, then when you come out of it, uh, you either become an arahan or an anagamin. And it's such an advanced state. Uh. Now to attain th- that state uh, of Niroda Samapati or Nibbana, you have to pass through the jhanas. And there are eight jhanas, four rupa jhanas and four arupa jhanas. And these jhanas are states where sometimes it's translated as meditative absorption, where you're so absorbed inside your mind that you're not aware of the world. So to attain this state of jhana, you have to withdraw from the world. When you enter, before you can enter this state of jhana, you slowly go into your mind. As you go into your mind, the world recedes from you. You are not aware of hearing, of seeing, of smelling, taste and touch. And then when you when you go into that first jhana, the mind still has some thinking, but the Buddha says only skillful thoughts, uh, skillful uh, intentions. Uh, uh. So the kind of thoughts uh, is not ordinary thoughts. Uh, it's not about thinking about your home or thinking about your work. You might think, uh, oh, I must remember to remember all these steps I took uh, to come to this state so that I can repeat it again. Uh. So that is the first jhana. But when a person enters the second jhana, it is an even more deeper state of samadhi, eh, where the mind is so absorbed eh, that thoughts cannot arise at all. That's why the state of jhana is called the state of the Aryan silence. Normally, eh, our mind is always chatting. Eh, we are always talking to ourselves in the mind. yeah, And we are not doing anything. Eh, eh. Very interesting that the mind will keep talking to you. <laughs> so, but all that thinking uh, is the source of dukkha, you know. Sometimes people say a nasty word to you, uh, and you keep thinking about it, and uh, you get more and more angry, yeah. Uh, so sometimes at night you cannot go to sleep. Uh. But to get rid of this mental suffering, uh, uh, if you enter that state of second jhana, so blissful, there's no thoughts to disturb you. So, these states of jhana also are states of great bliss and happiness, piti and sukha. That's why in the suttas, the Buddha said, if a person constantly absorbs himself in the second jhana, then he's reborn in the second jhana plane, and he's the state there is so happy and blissful. Like every day he's saying sukha, 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 like a person high on drugs. <laughs> In the third jhana, the Buddha said, he's so blissful that he cannot even utter a word. So, the Buddha said, Nibbanang paramang sukang. The highest bliss is Nibbana. So since Nibbana is the state of great bliss, uh, the highest bliss, uh, to enter the state of Nibbana, 
you must go in that direction. If you are experiencing bliss and happiness, you are on the right road. So that is why jhana is so important. If you practice a type of meditation where you cannot attain jhana, then you are still in the world of the six senses. You have not taken off from the world of the six senses. Your rocket has not lifted off the ground. How can you arrive at the moon? So jhanas are these states where you are already lifted off from the world. You are on your way to the moon. Nibbana. So maybe I can stop for a while, see whether I've got you all thinking and to ask some questions. Don't be shy to ask, you know. The Buddha said, uh, we must investigate more. Don't simply listen to what I say and believe everything. You can cross-examine me like a lawyer. Uh, Bhante, evening. I got a question here. Eh? Uh, when we learn about uh, metta meditation, we were first taught to, you know, to go to the state of one-pointedness. Thereon, we go to, you know, concentrate on the breathing through the nose. You know, in out, we concentrate on the breathing, breathing out. Then from there, we were told to go down to Vispasana, you know, the rising and falling. So can you please explain a little bit on that? Explain what? The, whether, whether this is the correct methods of uh, meditation or not. From metta to anapanasati, you know, the concentration on the breathing, then the Vispasana. As I mentioned just now, the aim of meditation uh, should be to attain the jhanas. If you practice and you are not aiming for jhanas, uh, that means you are not aiming to lift off the ground, uh, so you can never uh, go towards nibbana. Uh, it's it's alright to practice any way uh, you want, uh, but if you are aiming for nibbana, then you must lift live off uh, from the six senses. Uh, you must go away from your six senses. But since six senses uh, must not be working. Uh. Then in other words, uh, how do we go? Uh, that means uh, uh, if you want to go to the state of jhana, so what are the proper ways to go to the state of jhana? Okay. Actually, jhana and satipatthana is connected but nowadays, uh, people say that jhana is one meditation, satipatthana is different, it is vipassana meditation. It's totally not in accordance with the suttas. In the satipatthana sutta, the Buddha uh, explained how to practice satipatthana. Satipatthana, to me, uh, should be translated as an intense state of recollection. Today I brought some books uh, about meditation, which explains about mindfulness, recollection, and concentration. In other words, Sampajanya, Sati, and Samadhi. Uh. So coming back to Satipatthana, the Buddha said, uh, to understand uh, how to practice Satipatthana, the Buddha gave a simile or a parable. The Buddha said, suppose 
the most beautiful girl of the country came out. And then all the men saw and they clapped their hands and shouted, the most beautiful girl of the country. And then more people came out when they heard that. And then they clapped and they shouted and they asked this beautiful girl to sing and dance. So this beautiful girl started to sing and dance and more people came out to see. Then the Buddha said, an ordinary man came along, one who wanted to live, not to die, one who wanted happiness, not suffering. Then the Buddha said, the soldiers caught him, caught him and made him carry a bowl of oil filled to the brim with oil, filled to the top with oil. And the soldier walked behind him with an upraised sword and told him, you better be careful. If you spill even one drop of the oil, I'll chop off your, 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 your head. So he has to carry the oil and walk very slowly. And he has to look at the oil. Does he dare to look at the pretty girl there? Dare not, isn't it? Does he dare to look left or look right? Dare not, isn't it? Because his life depends on this bowl. So he has to carry the bowl with all his attention on the bowl and nowhere else. He just keeps walking, walking, looking at the bowl, paying attention to nothing else. And that is the way to practice Satipatthana, according to the Buddha. That is why in another sutta, in the Satipatthana Sangyutta, the Buddha said, a skillful monk, one who practices Satipatthana in the right way, eventually he will attain jhana, one-pointedness of mind. But if another monk has no kung fu, has no skill, he practices Satipatthana, he can never attain one-pointedness of mind, cannot attain jhana. So like this guy is carrying the bowl, he's looking at the pretty girl and looking left and looking right. He's not practicing Satipatthana correctly, so he cannot get one-pointedness of mind. So that is a way to practice meditation. Whatever you are contemplating on, for example, if you are contemplating on your breath, you just pay attention to your breath. Any sound comes, you just ignore it. Any sensation comes, you ignore it. Any thought comes, you just ignore it. You just focus on your breath all the time until your mind becomes one-pointed. So the breath is just one one of the methods. Another one that the Buddha used to teach his disciples was like meditating on a flame, say like a candle flame. Light a candle flame. You open your eyes, look at the flame and close your eyes. Try to imagine the flame. And then open your eyes again and then close your eyes. Try to imagine the flame. You keep looking, looking, looking until one day, even when your eyes close, you can see the flame. And then you keep looking at that flame and then slowly it changes. And then you concentrate on it. Then you enter jhana. Uh, those those monks who practice this meditation on the flame, uh, then they can bring up the, the flame of the fire when they are in samadhi. La. So some of them, when they pass away, uh, they conjure up the flame and the flame will just burn their whole body. Uh, 
burn their body to ashes, then they enter Nibbana. That is Kung Fu, real Kung Fu. <laughs> One day, just like you mentioned about the world exists because of our consciousness. Yes. And we reach the state of Nibbana because of our cessation of consciousness. Yeah. I have two questions. Question number one is that, does Buddhism uh, touch about unconsciousness and subconsciousness as well, other than consciousness? The Buddha did not talk in that way. Lah. The Buddha did not talk in that way, but the Buddha uh, talked about tendencies lah, that we have, latent tendencies. Uh, you might say this is the subconsciousness or libido and all that. Lah. Uh, uh. So the Buddha talked in terms, different terms. Lah. So unconsciousness uh, uh, depends on what you mean by unconsciousness. Lah. So real unconsciousness is that Niroda Samapati I mentioned, uh, total unconsciousness. Okay. In the terminology of the un, uh, subconsciousness, when we reach this state of Dibbana, what happened to that? This one uh, is difficult to explain because uh, there's something beyond words. right? Just like if you try to explain to a fish uh, what land is like uh, outside the pond, you see, uh, oh, the ground is solid. And then you have trees growing on the ground. And then you have buildings where humans live. And all this uh, the fish cannot understand because it hasn't got out of the water. Uh, so in the same way, for us to understand Ibana is very difficult. Uh, but we can try to explain a bit uh, because some of these things uh, is, is uh, beyond words. Uh, it can only be experienced. Uh. Now firstly... Nibbana is a state now where the six consciousness ceases because the six consciousness is the is the world, uh, and according to some uh, advanced monks, uh, they say that even though uh, the six consciousness ceases, uh, the state of Nibbana is pure consciousness uh, where there is just awareness. Uh, but there is no awareness of self. La. There is no self. La. And it is a state of great bliss. La. And this state la, is a state of also bright consciousness. La. And uh, boundless, boundless uh, bright consciousness. La. Now, to make us understand this state of Nibbana a little bit, eh, we will use a simile, a simile to, to help us understand. When we go to sleep at night, there are two types of sleep we experience. One is a dream state where we dream. And these dreams sometimes can be frightening dreams, what we call nightmares. So because in that, in that dream state, you are excited over something or you are agitated over something. It is not a very restful state. But there is another state of sleep where you go into a very deep sleep 
when you go into this state of very deep sleep, uh, you're not conscious of anything at all. And that state uh, where you're not conscious of anything at all, uh, uh, you're not even conscious of yourself, uh, is very blissful. So blissful uh, that you wake up in the morning, uh, ayah, you want to sleep some more. <laughs> Today is Sunday, I can afford to sleep longer. <laughs> so, Dimbana can be likened uh, a little uh, to that state. Uh, where you are not aware of anything at all, you are not even aware that you exist. Uh, and yet, uh, you are conscious. Uh, so you oversleep, then your mother comes and shake you, wake you up, uh, uh, then you wake up. Uh, uh, otherwise, you are not even aware that you exist. Uh, uh. So Nibbana is a little like that. Uh. Okay? One thing, um, I often look at the face, uh, is it the Buddhist face says that Sila Samadhi Panya, it's Sila Morality, Samadhi is concentration, Panya is wisdom. Mm. From what I understand from Bhante's mention, uh, it should be uh, Sila Samadhi Jana, not Sila Samadhi no, 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 Panya. No. Samadhi is Jana. So where does, uh, okay, after, where does the uh, Sila Samadhi Panya, where does the Panya, the Panya derive from after our concentration? Where will we develop the wisdom? This wisdom, uh, Wisdom is stated uh, in the suttas as being able to see clearly. Uh, and when you see clearly, uh, then you understand. And when you understand, uh, then you have wisdom. Uh. So, when you cultivate the jhanas, uh, then your mind becomes one-pointed. Your mind becomes very strong. Then you can put it to good use, whatever you want to do with the mind. So when your samadhi is attained, then wisdom comes naturally. So for example, you look at a person like Albert Einstein supposed to be a genius, one of the smartest persons in the world. His samadhi is very good, very excellent. excellent. That's why we know that when he is given a long mathematical problem, we will have to use calculator to get the answer. He will close his eyes, do all the calculation in his brain. And then after some time, he will write the answers down. How can you do that if you didn't have such an excellent uh, concentration? Uh, so, you see, like external sex ascetics, uh, they have, when they have jhanas, uh, then they are also very special people, like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ also was a great meditator. And he had developed the four jhanas. That's why he could walk on water. Uh, so he had some psychic power. So when a person has attained the four jhanas, uh, he's very near to enlightenment. But why didn't uh, Jesus Christ become enlightened? Only one reason. 
he did not have the good fortune to listen to the Buddha Dhamma. A person like Jesus Christ, huh, you just have to tell him, teach, just uh, let him listen to one sutta, he will become an arahan, enlightened. Uh, uh, so some people, they don't understand. They say, oh, a lot of external ascetics, they practice the jhanas, they get the jhanas, they don't become enlightened. Of course they don't become enlightened because they don't have the chance to hear the Dhamma. But when they hear the Dhamma, immediately they become enlightened. We, on the other hand, we don't have jhanas. We listen 1,000 suttas also cannot become enlightened. Yeah? Uh So that's the difference between whether a person has jhana or no jhana. Uh So... In the suttas, the Buddha said, if you um, make offerings to a person with uh, sila, your merit, you will get back something like a hundred thousand fold, a hundred thousand times what you give to a person with sila. But if you give to uh, external sect ascetic uh, who has no passion that means a person who has attained the jhanas once a person has attained the jhanas uh, he has no passion he is not lustful he is not angry his mind is very calm uh, such a person uh, if you do dana to him uh, your merit uh, will be a uh, hundred thousand times a hundred thousand uh, so great uh, so people with jhana, they have wisdom. Only thing is, what type of wisdom they have. Uh, if they don't, if they don't listen to the dhamma, then they don't have dhamma wisdom. They have other types of wisdom. Uh, but if you give them dhamma, then they have dhamma wisdom. Immediately they become enlightened. Hmm. And then. Uh... I have both feeling uh, sad because of uh, all the time we practice vipassana. Happy because uh, Pante pointed out this is a mistake. So now what should I do? We already practice uh, vipassana. We we'll started with uh, vipassana. How should I collect it? This morning when I gave a talk in Puchong, uh, I said uh, that to practice the Dhamma, four things are very important. First one is dana, charity. Second is sila, keeping the precepts. Third one is studying the suttas. This is a foundation. This is very important, you know. I know there's one lady in Penang who practiced vipassana for 20 over years. And after 20 over years teaching Vipassana, she renounced Buddhism. She didn't renounce the home life, she renounced Buddhism. Switched her religion. Uh, why? Shows uh, there's no foundation. This foundation uh, must be based on the Dhamma. Uh, did the Buddha call his disciples yogis? No. The Buddha called all his disciples savakas, hearers, listeners. Listeners of the Buddha's word, 
If you listen to the Buddha's word, you are a disciple of the Buddha. If you don't listen to the Buddha's words, you are not a disciple. You might be practicing vipassana meditation. You are not a Buddhist. Uh, so it's very important, number three, uh, to listen to the Buddha's words. And then only you can get right view. Then only you know whether you are practicing the right way or not. Uh, and the fourth one is to practice samatha meditation. That's the only meditation taught by the Buddha. Uh, can I ask another question? Sure. This is quite a common question. Uh, you see, uh, compare the, sut- the volume of Sutta and the Bible, how, can we quantify how many times the uh, Bible... Yeah, this is normally they will ask. The Bible uh, is about this thick. Uh. Our suttas, uh, the, the first one, Dika Nikaya, is uh, maybe slightly more. Uh. And then the Majima Nikaya also uh, slightly more than the uh, Diga Nikaya. And then the Sangyuta Nikaya about about three times the Bible, two or three times. And the Anguttara Nikaya also the same. The last one, the Kudaka Nikaya, Kudaka Nikaya means uh, the small collection or the minor collection, but it has grown to become the biggest collection. Uh, so out of the 15 books uh, that uh, Thailand and Sri Lanka recognize, uh, and Burma, they recognize 18 books, uh, because in 1956, I think they added another three books, uh, which are not suttas. Uh. So out of those uh, books in the Kudaka Nikaya, only six uh, you can say, are reliable because it does not contradict the early suttas. So you take that, say, three and three, six, six, six and three, nine, about ten times our our original teachings of the Buddha is about ten times the size of the Bible. And these uh, consist of about 5,000 discourses, 5,000 suttas. My question is, all this while, I had a lot of uh, this uh, problem with this uh, the story of this Devadatta. Uh, Devadatta, eh? The story of what? De- Devadatta. Uh, Devadatta. Very difficult for me to reconcile the actions of Devadatta okay. and his, his so-called psychic power and all this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking all this while, if Devadatta had so what? achieves uh, such a highly developed stage of mm. this uh, psychic mm. power. Mm. So he must have so, uh, a thing uh, uh, maybe up to fourth jhanas or whatever, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes. So you were saying that uh, with fourth jhanas and all this, you, need, you, you get wisdom and you, you mm. reach the stage of anagami, sakadagami, sotapan, all this mm. thing. Mm. So... And then only lately I discovered that it's not necessary even when you reach the stage of fourth jhana that you are sotapang or anagami. Mm-hmm. Because if you are anagami or sotapang or sakadagami, you won't commit also hideous act. Isn't it? So you can uh, achieve fourth jhanas, but then you have no wisdom and you are still not even a sotapang. 
So you were so I quite confused by what just, you were saying just, 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 just now. I said now uh, you have to uh, be careful. Uh, what type of wisdom are you talking about? Uh, there are some people who are very crooked. Uh, they are very smart, you know, very smart, but they are smart in the wrong way. Uh, so you see, ah, uh, during the Buddha's time, ah, uh, there were a few thousand arahants. Okay, how many of them ah uh, were like Devadatta? How many Devadattas were there? Only one. Yeah, uh, out of a few thousand, ah, uh, you have one bad egg, ah. Uh, it's not surprising, ma. You see, the Americans they take so much trouble, ah, uh, to make a rocket because they are spending millions and millions of dollars on that rocket, ah. Uh. And they want to launch their rocket, maybe to go to Mars or Venus or something. And they make it now uh, with so many, uh, how do you say, so many safety features, lah. For example, uh, they make it such that if one circuit fails, ah, uh, then they have backup, ah, uh, maybe another eight or nine circuits, ah, uh, uh, in case one fails, ah, uh, you trip to another one. If this one fails, you trip to another. In spite of all that, ah, uh, they make everything so perfect, ah. Uh, sometimes when they launch their rocket, ah, uh, boom, explode. And they get so disappointed, they scratch their head. How come, ah, uh, we made it so perfect, ah? Uh? So in the same way, the Buddha said, ah, uh, he explains the Dhamma to his disciples. He shows them the way. But, it doesn't guarantee that all of them become Arahants. He said, why? The Buddha gave a simile. Suppose now you are from Kajang, okay? Say, say if you are from Kajang. So I ask you the way to a, a certain kampung in Kajang. You know the way, ma? Yeah, you are very familiar with the way. Then you explain. Uh, you go by this road, then you turn left. Uh, after a while, you turn right, and then you see this sign, and then you turn here, and then you end up in that kampung. Okay? Now, then you ask. Ten people, you give them all this direction, nah. You ask them to walk. Will all ten of them reach that that kampung? No, ma. Why? They are all different, nah. Yeah. So the Buddha said in the same way, I teach the Dhamma, I show them the path so clearly, yeah. And it doesn't mean all of them will reach that nibbana. Ah. So. Out of a few thousand arahants, ah, you only have one devadatta. I think the success rate is very good already. <laughs> you see, why does a person like Mahara appear? Ask yourself. Mahara is in the sixth heaven, ah, above the human. You know, is in the sensual heavens, ah, the highest sensual heaven. Where their blessings is so great, nah, that nah, whatever they wish for, ah, you just think about it, it appears. They want a beautiful girlfriend, just think about it, it appears. They want to eat anything, they think about it, it appears. And such a such a high deva, how come he can become a mara? I seem seem like this lah. I say, how come a person cultivate four jhanas can? Can become uh, have no wisdom. He has wisdom, but his wisdom is in the wrong direction. Yeah. This person Mahara must have been a person who practiced the spiritual path, who meditated, 
who cultivated maybe ascetic practices, uh, and did sila, practice sila, dana, everything. Uh. So because of such great blessings uh, that he's born in such a high heaven, even higher than Sakadevaraja. Uh. But he made one mistake. He wasn't careful enough uh, to cut the ego. I'm sure many of you, 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 if you practice vipassana meditation, I'm, I'm sure you know many people practice vipassana meditation after many years. Huh? You think they have wisdom, huh? their ego is so big. That's yes not some of them. Why? I suppose you're practicing wisdom. Huh? How come their ego so big? How come their temper so big? Ah. But they are supposed to practice wisdom. Huh? No wisdom. <laughs> You know, isn't it? I don't have to tell you, you know very clearly, there are many people who practice meditation, ego becomes so big. Can we say that um, when we practice meditation, when our concentration is good, we are in Ghana, and we are able to see that uh, our life, our worldly life is actually a delusion or an illusion. With that, we are able to attain... Uh, is it, is it what will happen? Is it very uh, briefly what will happen? We will see that, uh, presently we see that our life is so real because of our consciousness. But if we practice meditation we, uh, strong, with strong concentration, then with uh, jhanas, we're able to break through what is uh, false. That is, uh, we can see our, our life, present life is uh, a delusion. This as what we sleep, and we sleep, we see a dream, which actually is so real, but actually when we wake up, we see it's only a dream, it is not real. Uh, can we conclude that? Uh, different people see differently. La. You might be able to see that, na. the other person may not see that. Na. So, it depends on the person. Studying the suttas is very important because uh, uh, if you don't study the suttas, uh, a lot of things uh, that should be obvious to us uh, is not obvious. Then after we listen to the Buddha's words, uh, then we see that, ah, it's so obvious. Uh, why didn't I think of it before? Hmm. But one thing, uh, suttas, uh, we have to study again and again. Uh, we don't study the suttas like a storybook. A uh, storybook we read once, you don't want to read anymore. We must study them every day uh, until we die. And you become really knowledgeable in the suttas. Uh, because I know from experience, uh, sometimes I study a certain sutta, some very important implication uh, I didn't see. Then after studying a few times, then I catch. For example, i give you an example. Uh, the Abhidhamma is one of the later books, uh, later teachings. That is why, for example, it has some similarity with Mahayana teaching. What is that similarity? In Mahayana teachings, they talk about Liu Tao Lun Hui, six destinations of rebirth. And Abhidhamma also talks about six destinations of rebirth. But in the early discourses of the Buddha, the Buddha only talked about five destinations of rebirth without the Asura. Okay? Uh, we have two happy destinations of rebirth, which is heaven and human plane. And then we have three 
woeful planes of existence, uh, which is ghost, animal, and hell realm. And then Mahayana books added the uh, asuras. And Abhidharma also added the asuras. Now, how come they added the asuras? Because uh, we know uh, that asuras like to fight, uh, like to quarrel and fight, uh, very violent nature, and they like to drink liquor. Uh, so people thought uh, if they are like that, uh, they must have some mental dukkha. Uh. So later books, uh, like the sub-commentary, uh, they said uh, there are three types of asura. One is the heavenly asura, heavenly beings. Uh. Then you have the ghost asura. Then you have the hell being asuras. They thought uh, those beings uh, who torture you when you go to hell, uh, they must be like asuras, like so fierce to torture you. Uh. So they came to that conclusion. Now, if you study the Diga Nikaya, uh, and you must study suttas uh, like using a comb, you know, trying to uh, find all the small details. Uh. Then you notice uh, in one of the suttas in the Diga Nikaya, the Buddha mentioned uh, that the lowest type of asuras uh, is called the Kalakanja asuras. Kalakanja, so that's uh, the very lowest already, you cannot find lower than that. And then there's another sutta in the Diga Nikaya where a lot of devas came to pay respect to the Buddha. They came from very far away. Then the Buddha told his Arahant disciples, he said, you see, today uh, the hosts of devas from the 10,000 world systems have come to pay respect to the Tathagata. And then the Buddha mentioned their names, uh, this type of powerful deva, that type of powerful deva. And then he mentioned Kalakanja Asuras. <laughs> so you see, Kalakanja Asuras are up in the heavens. So how can you find Asuras in the ghost realm and in the hell realm? That is the lowest type of uh, uh, Asuras already. And they are not found in the four great heavenly kings, you know. They are even higher than that. They are found in Sakadevaraja, Tavatimsa heavens. Uh, so it's because, uh, you know, a lot of people, they read the suttas, they didn't notice this. Uh, because I read the suttas many times, uh, I notice. Uh, just like nowadays, uh, these scholars, they do a lot of research and then they find out all these facts about Jesus. <laughs> Pante, yeah. you mentioned uh, that uh, there are various Nikayas, Dika, Anguttara, Majima, and I forgot. Sanghita. Is there, ah, okay. is there uh, an order? I mean, if we want to learn the suttas, which one do we have to start first? Or we can start with anyone. I have uh, written a book uh, called uh, Liberation, Relevance of Sutta Vinaya. And in that book, uh, I have tried to point out the importance of studying the suttas. And uh, at the end of the book, uh, I did say uh, that if you want to study the Nikayas, uh, it's easiest to start with Anguttara Nikaya because it has many uh, suttas uh, related to lay people. Okay, And also, I have spoken about 55 hours uh, of talks uh, on the Anguttara Nikayas. Uh, and I have uh, made it into MP3. Uh, there are two MP3s. So if you listen to those uh, talks uh, where I have uh, read out the sutta, 
And sometimes, you know, these suttas, because they were translated by professors, uh, that English is very high class. So I have simplified some of the English uh, so that our Malaysians can understand. Uh. And then after reading the sutta, uh, I try to explain uh, and compare it with other suttas. Uh. Uh, so if you listen to uh, my Anguttara Nikaya talks, uh, it will be much easier to understand than to read the books. Uh. But if you want, at the same time you read the book, at the same time you listen to my talks uh, and compare, uh, then you understand better. Uh. Mm. When I go back later, I can try to get this book, Liberation, uh, sent to you all. And if you... You can download uh, my talks uh, from our website, vbgnet. Abande, can I ask another question? Uh, very often you hear people, you know, saying that they have done a lot of work for the society, a Buddhist society, you know, have done a lot of Dharma work, you know. Can you classify, you know, people coming to the temple, you know, to help and all that? Is that worldly work or Dharma work? So what's the difference between worthy work and dharma work? Um, if you do any work uh, that helps to propagate the dharma uh, or help people to practice the dharma, then you can say that is dharma work. Uh. For example, it's like you arrange this talk uh, and you do all the publicity to inform people about this talk uh, or you organize a retreat for meditation. Uh, or you uh, organize uh, a Sunday Dhamma school where you teach the children some Dhamma. Uh, all that is Dhamma work. Uh. But there are some Buddhist societies uh, where they are a little worldly. Uh. They may organize dancing and all that. Uh. That is not Dhamma work. Uh. That is more of social work. Uh. Uh, you find some uh, Mahayana centers, they like to do all this uh, social work, uh, charity, uh, free clinic, uh, all that. That is not Dhamma work. Uh, uh. So we have come to the Dhamma, our importance, the, the important uh, part of our work, uh, it should be to teach the Dhamma, to propagate the Dhamma, to practice the Dhamma. Uh. The other things we can do... Uh, if we have the time, we have the uh, money and resources and all that, uh, like teaching yoga or teaching English and all that. Uh, uh, so we should concentrate. Uh, if we don't know our uh, the what is important from what is not important, uh, then we will be wasting our time. Uh, just like some monks, uh, they, they, they renounce, become a monk. And then they do charity, do social work. It's not that it's not good, it's good, but then uh, it's not uh, fitting. Uh. Why don't you become a layman and maybe make a lot of money like Bill Gates uh, and then do charity. Uh. Bill Gates does a lot of charity, uh, much better than you can do when you wear ropes. <laughs> can meta meditation attain jhana. Actually, in the suttas, if you study the suttas, uh, you will find uh, that the Buddha said uh, to practice metta, you have to attain jhana first. After you attain jhana, then you practice metta, 
then you can radiate metta out. And other beings can feel it, nah, because you have that strength of mind. Nah. So nowadays, nah, because people don't uh, stress on jhana, people straight away go into metta. So we imagine, nah, we send out a lot of metta, but other beings don't feel. <laughs> when I was young, I was in a Catholic school, and these Christian brothers used to give us holy pictures, you know, of Christian saints. And remember, sometimes you get this Christian saint with the birds sitting on his shoulder and sitting on his head, and the deer will come to him and all that. Ah, this type of holy person, he really has metta, so that even other beings can feel it. Uh, and that is achieved through strong samadhi. Mm. All arahants uh, have jhana, and because all jhana, uh, all arahants have jhana, their mind is so peaceful uh, that it influences the area around them to be very peaceful. That's why the Buddha said, uh, wherever you find an arahant, uh, that whole area is very peaceful. And this Anapanasati, uh, if you look into the suttas, uh, the Buddha didn't say uh, that practicing Anapanasati means uh, looking at this point or looking at this point. Anapanasati uh, is to be aware of the breath, you know. Uh, it's only later books like the Visudhi Maga, uh, they say be aware of the tip of your nose or the top of your lips and all that. Uh, that is not what the Buddha thought. Buddha thought just be aware of the breath going in and out. So, so you mentioned about the metta meditation that uh, it's only when you reach jhana, then you do it, you can radiate the, I mean, metta, whatever. Uh, I agree on that, but I find that if layman practice it, that, that is some goods as well, because he is, it, it's just a training of you always thinking goods about other people's, that the longer you train, actually you cultivate yourself to be always thinking about good things. So actually it will change your attitude, your personalities as Correct, well. Correct, also. Yeah. So, I mean, for people who cannot attain jhana, then you can start uh, by thinking of goodwill towards all beings uh, and compassion and all that. Uh, and from your bodily actions, uh, instead of your vibrations, uh, people can perceive uh, your loving kindness uh, through your body language, uh, through your verbal language. Uh, I want to ask now, uh, uh, if uh, one person have uh, a lot of, uh, he, his mind have uh, a lot of things disturb him, can he practice meditation? Because he have uh, some tension or some illusion. So can he use a meditation to cure this kind of, uh, I mean, the delusion or, I mean, have uh, some, some psychology problem? Yes. Actually, that is the aim of meditation. You want to... Uh, get a hold of our mind to control our uncontrolled mind. But then, uh, for most people, uh, practicing anapanasati uh, is quite difficult, uh, very difficult. So, if people have difficulty practicing the breath meditation, uh, it is easier to practice chanting. In fact, the first meditation taught by the Buddha was actually chanting. It was practicing, it was a meditation on the 32 parts of the body. During the Buddha's time, they chanted in their local language. Like for me, I chant in English. 
and do like head, hair, body, hair, nails, teeth, skin, flesh, sinew, bone, bone, marrow, kidney, heart, liver, midriff, spleen, lung, bowel, entrail, gorge, dung, brain, bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat, tear, grease, spittle, snot, oil of the joint, urine. So you see, there are so many things to remember. So when you chant like this, uh, first, First, you, you write it all down. You write it all down and then you, you look at it and you chant. No need to try to memorize because it's quite difficult to memorize. You just hold the sheet and chant and chant, chant, chant. After four months, huh, uh, then it, it becomes like a tune in your head. <laughs> so it becomes automatic. Huh? Uh, so chanting is much easier. Huh? Chanting is much easier. But for most people, it's very difficult to chant so long. So you chant Namo Tassa, Namo Tassa, Bhagavato, Arahato, Sama, Sambuddhasa, Namo Tassa, Bhagavato, Arahato, Sama, Sambuddhasa. Huh? And you still find that difficult huh? for some people. Huh? Arahang, 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 Arahang. Like the Hindus, huh, they do it also, they call it Japa. From from there, huh, maybe the, the Malays call it Jampi. <laughs> Japa, they, they chant like Om, uh, Om, 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 Om. I was practicing Hinduism. I was a Hindu before I was a Buddhist. <laughs> you mentioned that uh, it's good to, to study about the Sutta. The origin of Sutta is in Pali language. So is it encourageable to study Pali so we have a deeper understanding, a original understanding of the Sutta? It is good to study Pali, yeah, especially if a person is a monk. But then uh, you have to see whether uh, you have the inclination and the time. Uh, if a person goes into monkhood, Late, later in life, uh, then he doesn't have so much time, uh, then he should probably want to uh, have more time to meditate. So when he studies, uh, it is enough to study the translation, the English translation. I find that some people, uh, and some monks uh, who study Pali, and then they become so engrossed in that Pali uh, that they spend sometimes uh, a few months uh, to study one sutta. During that few months, uh, I studied so many suttas, <laughs> the translations. Huh? So I find, uh, because I, 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 I did study a bit of Pali uh, on my own, uh, and, but I've for, forgotten most of it. <laughs> but I, I know how to use the Pali dictionary, so that uh, sometimes when I read a translation, uh, I have some doubt. Uh, I have some doubts. Uh, then I go and check the Pali. Uh, Check the Pali. For example, in the in the uh, translation, the early translations by the Pali Text Society, yeah, and they talk about this meta. There is a word, I think, it's meta cheto vimuti or something like that, and they translate it as uh, liberation of mind, uh, liberation of the heart by loving kindness. Liberation of the heart by loving kindness. Then I look at this translation, I find it doesn't seem very something wrong somewhere. So when I check the Pali, then I find 
Ah, there is this word metta, loving kindness. There is this word vimuti, which they they translate as liberation. And then there is this word ceto, ceto, which is mind. Okay, and they 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 translate it as heart. So when I look at these words, ah, then I find actually what they are trying to mean is loving kindness. Radiated by the mind, when a person has strong samadhi, uh, then he can radiate loving kindness uh, uh, using the mind. Uh. So this word vimuti, uh, although it is liberation, but and a similar word for liberation uh, is radiation. Radiation. So here is more appropriate uh, to use loving kindness radiated by the mind instead of. Uh, Liberation of my of the heart by loving kindness. So, for for most of us, ah, uh, it is not necessary to learn Pali, lah. It takes too long. It takes too long. If you concentrate on studying the suttas again and again, ah, uh, you will get the essence of it, lah. Uh. What we want is the essence, ah, uh, the understanding, ah. Uh. There are some people who are scholars, you know. They 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 study the the Pali and they become so absorbed uh, in the origin of the word and all that. They spend too much time, so their understanding of the suttas uh, is very little. But their understanding of Pali is so much. Okay. Uh, actually, just now you are talking the chanting for the person who have a, a lot of a mind problem. But uh, I want to ask. Uh, Uh, can you recommend uh one book for for a per this kind this kind of person to read to build to build his to build his confidence before go for chanting or is there any book you can so that they can build their confidence before they go for meditation and chanting? I've written two basic books on the Dhamma that beginners. Uh, would benefit uh, by reading it. One is uh, called "Only We Can Help Ourselves." It is about Kama Vipaka. I think the book is outside there. Uh, you can get it outside. It's in English. We have the Chinese translation also. Lah, called "Ming Yin You Chi Chi Chang Wo." I think. And then the other book is the Message of the Buddha. Ah, uh, Message of the Buddha is about the Four Noble Truths. Lah. The basic understanding of the four noble truths. Uh, that also has been translated into Chinese. So, if a person studies these two books, uh, he has a foundation in the Dhamma, and he might be more interested to practice. But there are some people uh, with some mental problem uh, or some traumatic experience uh, uh, might be dangerous for them to. Meditate. If they meditate, then they may have a breakdown. For example, if a if a if a girl is jilted by a boyfriend and she's heartbroken, keep thinking about the boy. And he starts to meditate. Nah, instead of meditating on the breath, he's meditating on the boyfriend. Nah, then sometimes such people they go and commit suicide. Nah. Mm. Last night, when I was in c h i m p a k a I quoted a similar. I quoted an example in the suttas uh, to make people understand uh, 
how the power of jhana in the uh, suttas uh, it is mentioned uh, that the buddha had a few anagamin lay disciples uh, and we find uh, that uh, when the buddha wanted to uh, find his earliest disciples uh, he would this is my personal opinion uh, he would go to those people uh, who had attained jhana in the previous either in their previous human existence or in the present lifetime uh, and he and um, the earliest thousand over arahants uh, mentioned in the vinaya books uh, the buddha went to all these type of people and just preached the sutta to them never asked them to meditate just asked them to sit quietly and listen carefully and then when he preached the uh, suttas to them uh, they all attained arahanthood uh. so there was this uh, case of this lay person he was a very very wealthy man uh. Had, I think had four wives and a lot of slaves to entertain him. Every day the slaves will sing and dance for him, and he will drink himself drunk. So one day he was in that drunken state, and the Buddha purposely came and walked in front of his house. So, because he had this affinity with the Buddha from the past life, huh? the sight of the buddha immediately struck him you know like uh, lightning the sight of the buddha made him suddenly stare at the buddha and he immediately sobered up no more drunk uh-huh. and then from there uh, he went to the buddha and he knew that this was his teacher uh, and then that he followed the buddha and uh, he became an aryala so you see how can a person an ordinary person uh, just like that na uh, sober up suddenly and shake off all that drunkenness ah uh, that is the the power of jhana jhana is the ability of the mind uh, to focus focus so strongly you know like a laser beam ah uh, uh, that is very important quality if you have that ability uh, when you listen to the dhamma Ah, you are able to focus like that. Ah, immediately, ah, you you attain something. We find ah from the suttas and the vinaya, ah, those people who enter the stream, ah, all enter the stream by listening to the dhamma. There is is never mentioned in the suttas and the vinaya anyone ah who attains stream entry by meditation. Never mentioned. because the buddha said uh, uh stream entry is synonymous with right view right view is the first factor of the noble eightfold path and the buddha said you have not attained right view ah uh, you have not entered the noble eightfold path that's why i mentioned just now somebody can meditate for 20 over years and in the end uh, throw away buddhism and mm. hasn't entered the path mm. so we find in the suttas and the vinaya those people who had no jhana when they listen to the four noble truths taught by the buddha they attain stream entry whereas those people with jhana when they listen to the same sutta either is anagamin or arahan yes but not in that way lah uh, the buddha said na uh, you know the noble eightfold path ha huh? 
can also said to be consist of three factors, sila, samadhi, panya. Okay? The Buddha said, uh, the sotapanna and the sakadagamin, uh, they have perfect sila. The anagamin uh, has got perfect sila and samadhi. The arahan has got perfect sila, samadhi and panya. Uh, so you see here, uh, the sotapanna and the sakadagamin uh, doesn't need perfect samadhi. Perfect samadhi is the four jhanas. There's another misconception. Uh, some people think, uh, oh, you practice jhana because you are greedy for psychic powers. It's not true. Uh, all the arahans uh, have jhanas, uh, but about one-third of them uh, have no psychic power. Sariputta, Venerable Sariputta is a classic example. He has all the jhanas according to Bhamajima Nikaya. In spite of having all the jhanas, uh, he said uh, he, could, uh, he could not even see the mud sprite uh, in the, you know, if there's a pool of water and there's a mud spirit there, he said he can't even see it because he was praising Mogalana. So Buddha so far away, uh, the Maha Mogalana could see the Buddha, could talk to the Buddha. Uh, it's like a TV screen in front of him. Uh, whereas he said, uh, he, even the mud sprite in front of him, also he cannot see. <laughs> so you see, uh, there doesn't mean uh, you have jhanas uh, that you will have psychic power. No, about one third of arahants don't have psychic power. The other thing, uh, some people have the misconception, uh, if you attain jhana, uh, you are reborn in the Brahma world or in the form realm. Also not true. Only uh, if you constantly absorb yourself in that jhana, day in, day out, day in, and day out. Uh, then only you uh, are reborn there. You see, like our Buddha, when the Buddha Kasapa was around, uh, our Buddha renounced and became a monk under the Buddha Kasapa. And in that lifetime, he attained the first jhana. Because, why we say that? Because when he came out after that life, he went to Tusita heaven. After Tusita heaven, he came down in his last life uh, as Siddhartha Gautama. And as a young boy, uh, Siddhartha Gautama could enter the first jhana under the jambu tree. So, he didn't attain it in the Tusita heaven. He must have attained it when he was a disciple of Buddha Kasapa. Okay? So, you see, when he attained the first jhana after the Buddha uh, after following the Buddha Kasapa, he wasn't born in the Brahma heavens. He was born in the Tusita heaven. From the Tusita heaven, he came down to earth, the human plane. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, misconceptions because people are not so familiar with the suttas. <laughs>